Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. What you were before Jesus is done. It's done. You walk into that relationship with Jesus, your kinsman redeemer, you are no longer whatever that tag was associated to you. Now you, just like me, will have instances within our lives where we go back to that, but that's not who you are. It's not who you are. It's not who I am. I became James, a son, part of the family. We often hear it said that people never change. And while that's true sometimes, it isn't always, at least not where God is concerned. Pastor James reminds us today of the transformation that we go through when we accept Christ as our Savior. You're no longer defined by your bad habits, but by your faith and willingness to learn and grow. Don't think that who you are now is who you'll always be. When you trust in God and rely on His Word, He'll be faithful to complete the work that He started in you. Now here's Pastor James in the Book of Ruth, Chapter 4, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. What we know is the guy left, he died, his two sons died, Naomi comes back, minus those guys, plus her daughter-in-law, and now they find themselves in this position. And yeah, Ruth is out working the fields, picking up the stocks and whatever gets left behind, but they got to make a move. And they're going to sell this land that's been a part of their family for who knows how long. So Boaz is like, look, This is how it's been set up. You have first dibs on this property. You got first dibs. And I admire that about Boaz because he didn't have to include that. He could have started with, hey, you know that Naomi? Yeah, you know Ruth? Yeah, I've heard about Ruth. Well, um, you're up, you're next up to marry her. He didn't have to say anything about the land. He didn't have to. The guy probably would have known anyways, but he could have started with, Hey, you need to marry Ruth. I think it's admirable that he's willing to lead first with the property and to let him know, like, look, here's what it is. Understanding that if this guy says yes, then Boaz is out. Boaz doesn't want the property. He doesn't need it. He wants Ruth. So he leads with the land, and, and he probably knows, well, you'd be an idiot if you didn't want the land. You can, you know, develop all sorts of things, but you, you can't make land. You can't make property, right? Dwayne Munoz will tell you that. He invests in land because all we have is what we have, right? So if it's available, buy land, right? So Boaz knows this guy's probably going to, he's going to bite on that. But he's, he has the Ruth card to play next, all right? So this man replies, this man is unknown. He's not given a name. So who is he? Doesn't matter. Who cares? This is all we ever hear about him. This is all you'll ever hear about him, okay? So he's just the closest one. He says, all right, I'll redeem it. Yeah, I'll buy it. I'll buy the land. Then Boaz told him, of course. Now, however, (laughs) I'm glad you're willing to do that. But there's something else you need to know. 
Of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way, she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. He's like, so he's like, well, wait a minute. Well, I'm buying this land, but it's not really ever going to be mine. Because if, if I buy the land, then I get Ruth, and we don't even know if this guy's married or not. But he's like, but then I, I have to marry this girl, and then the first son that she produces, technically the land goes to him. But I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. He's like, I'm out. I'm out. Because this would jeopardize his inheritance. There was a, a willingness to purchase the land, but there was not a willingness to redeem the woman. So this guy, he, he responds, he's like, I can't redeem it. The family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I can't do it. This is a fascinating thing, okay? Because there's a lot of parallels with Boaz being like Jesus, right? And in one sense, in this unknown guy, and whether, whether this is meant to be or not, it, it, in some ways, it, he kind of feels like he represents the law in one sense, okay? Because the law can't save you. The law can't redeem you. Number one, you're never going to keep the law. The law was never meant to save you. The law was simply meant to expose to you the fact that, well, you're pretty broken. You're pretty broken. And God's standard is way up here. And the best you'll ever do, you and I will ever do on our own, is way down there. We will never, never get close to hitting his mark. You can't do it. There's not enough money on this planet. There's not enough good deeds to even be done on this planet. You need a Boaz. We need Boaz. We need somebody who is not only willing to, to step in, that like wants to do it, but is willing to pay the price in order to do it, to get the whole thing. This kinsman redeemer, he's like, I can't do it. This is impossible for me. You do it, which is probably music to Boaz's ears, right? This is the response he wanted to hear. But he was an honorable man. He wasn't going to like try to sugarcoat it or, or, or really try to like deceive him in, in any kind of way. He was going to just tell him, here's the facts. Here's the story. And you got to be trusting in God. He had to be trusting in God because he's like, look, Lord, I'm going to lay it all out there. This guy has every right to the land and to Ruth, but I'm trusting you. You got Ruth for me. So I'm, I'm just going to lay it all out there. I'll be as honest as I possibly can. Here's the facts. He placed that not in this guy's hand. He placed that in the Lord's hands. The Lord's like, I got you. Don't worry about it, Boaz. If it was me, I'd been sweating a little bit. I'd be like, oh, man. <laughs> like, how can I... You know, the, the, the salesman in all of us wants to come out during these times where it's like, how can I spin this to where he wouldn't want it at all, right? He said, Ruth, have you heard the stories about Ruth? I mean, I mean, my goodness. Yeah, like making up all kinds of things, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. She's the most beautiful woman ever. She's impressive. She's the coolest thing that's ever happened to Bethlehem. And this land, great land. It's not a lot of land, but it's great land. The guy's like, I can't do it. I, I'm sorry, but I can't. Why don't you do it, Boaz? That's what he wanted to hear. 
That's what he was hoping to hear. I'm sure that's what he was praying to hear. Verse 7 says, in those days, it was a custom in Israel for anyone transferring the right of purchase, this is strange, to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. And this publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal, as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. So he's like exchanging flip-flops here. It's like, what? Although that would be kind of funny. You go to buy a house, and the, the guy selling you the house is like, all right, here's, here's my bands. Here's my slip-ons, right? And you're like, oh, this is how we do this? Um, this makes it legal? Yeah, well, here it does. This is part of the custom. This is what they did. So in the presence of these 10 witnesses, which is funny, 10, it's a fascinating biblical number. Um, we have the 10 commandments. Now, that's not all of the law, but that is the law summed up, basically. And now Jesus summarized it even smaller than that. Praise God for that. Because even remembering 10 is hard for me. He's like, love God and love your neighbor. You know, just focusing on those things. Now I'm like, I can't even remember what the 10th one is. Um, here you have a witness of 10 that are saying it's legal, it's validated, it's done. It's a done deal. And there's Boaz redeeming this Gentile woman, taking a risk himself to pay the price for her that nobody else could pay. I mean, if you don't see Jesus in the story, you need to start back in chapter one and reread the thing. This is what Jesus did for us. Here's what's so cool about this story, the parallel, okay? You have God the Father, God the Son, who's Jesus Christ, and you have the Holy Spirit, Trinity, living in perfect communion and community without us even existing, without any earth, anything, perfect, harmonious. They don't need us. It's perfect. They say, you know what? Let's make some stuff. Let's make an earth. Let's fill it with people. Let's make some angels. A third of those guys are going to lose their brains, and they're going to rebel against us, thinking they can actually overpower us. We'll boot them out. of, And then they're going to cause problems for these beautiful creations that we make called people that will be made in our image. But they're going to mess up. They'll mess up. But the only way to redeem them, the only way to fix it, is we got to become the closest kinsman redeemer to them. One of us is going to have to become one of them. One of us will need to become a human. And that's where you get Jesus in his virgin birth. You have the incarnation of God, God in flesh. Jesus shows up to what? So that he could become our nearest, closest kinsman redeemer because he had to become a human. He had to live a perfect life so that he could die on the cross paying the perfect price to redeem us. It's the only way. And it's the most beautiful story ever. And that's what you get in the book of Ruth. It's like Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I mean, just all over it. That's what's so amazing about this story. But even more amazing about Jesus, the fact that he would come to this earth and that he would live a sinless, a perfect life and take on all of my sins on the cross. Amazing. And that for the first moment in his eternal existence, he would suffer separation from the Father simply because he was paying the price 
for my sins. It never happened. They had never been apart. They had never been apart. That's part of that cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Your junk, my junk was all poured out on him, on our kinsman redeemer. And he gladly paid the price. Gladly paid the price. He was Boaz in the grand story of it all. And he says, listen, I don't care what the price is. I'll pay it. Done. I'll write a check. And not only that, because this is what this means for Ruth as well. She's going to get married to Boaz. She becomes part of his family. She's no longer, she is never again Ruth the Moabitess. Never again. She is Ruth, wife of Boaz, great-great-grandmother of King David. Jesus, the Messiah, comes through her family. She is never Ruth the Moabitess. That's done. What you were before Jesus is done. It's done. You walk into that relationship with Jesus, your kinsman redeemer, you are no longer whatever that tag was associated to you. Now you, just like me, will have instances within our lives where we go back to that, but that's not who you are. It's not who you are. It's not who I am. I became James, a son, part of the family. Not James the hopeless, not James the angry, not James the depressed, or James the angry, the you know, hostile, bitter. No, 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 I, that's not me anymore. Do I act like that sometimes? Of course. We all do. Sometimes that draw to go back is difficult. I would imagine if you knew every detail of Ruth's life, I'm sure there probably were moments where she's like, you know what? It'd be a lot easier back in Moab, (laughs) right? We've all gone through that. We've all experienced that, if we're honest. But she's not Ruth and Moabitess anymore. By marrying Boaz, she really does have a new identity. By marrying Jesus, if I could say it that way, you really do have a new identity in Jesus. Verse 9, just to to continue on with the story, it says, Boaz said to the leaders and to the crowd standing around, because now it's not even just the 10. Now you got witnesses galore that are watching this story. They've been a part of this story from the beginning. This whole town is just super jazzed about the fact that what's happening within the story. They they are. Now you got a crowd. He says to the leaders in the crowd standing around, you are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and uh, Malon. That would be in Ruth's husband, I believe. Um, And with the land, I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way, she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. So she gets to marry Boaz, but not only that, but within marrying Boaz, and this is an honorable thing as well. He's like, look, Ruth, what once belonged to your husband is now yours. Now, she has technically, what he's even saying within this is like, listen, Ruth, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. There's this verse just kind of popped into my brain. I want to read to you guys from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says this, 
how we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, his sons and daughters, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. This is you. This is for you. This is what happened. You got redeemed by Boaz. And when you get redeemed by Boaz, we'll say, when you get redeemed by Jesus, the heavenly check account has been opened up to you. Now, don't go sideways on me. Don't be thinking like, oh, sweet. All right, God. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and believe it that you got this giant mansion for me. And he's like, man, you don't need a giant mansion. But whatever you do need, you will have. And let's go even deeper than that. Because these blessings, these spiritual blessings, man, he's like, here's the, the debit card. Swipe away. Lord, I don't even know what that means. He's like, I know. I know. It's going to take time. Even your whole life, you won't even begin to scratch the surface of what this means. When we get to heaven, eternity with him would be like, oh, I had access to all this stuff. He's like, yeah, yeah. All the spiritual blessings. I'll read it again. How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, talking about believers, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to our kinsman redeemer who is named Jesus Christ. Take some time to study up on spiritual blessings from the heavenly places. Some of that could be fruits, the fruit of the Spirit. That's part of that. That's included within that. There's, there's so much more that goes along with that. All it's simply trying to communicate, and what I'm trying to communicate to you guys here is that Jesus has you covered. He's got you covered. Doesn't feel like it. Well, Welcome to life. <laughs> Welcome to life. Maybe it's good it doesn't feel like it. Because if it always felt like it, we probably wouldn't be crying out to him as much as we should be doing. But that's what happens when you get redeemed by Jesus. You're part of the family now. And what he has, you have. Here's the craziest thing. Craziest thing Jesus said in the Gospels. Talking about all the stuff he did. He's like, yeah, I did all these things. Hey, guess what? You you could do these things, and you'll do more. You're like, wait, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. He's like, no, no. Everything that you've seen me do, you can do, and you can do even more than that. And you're like, what? It's a sad state when, when us as believers don't live out some of these realities. And we show up, and we stand before Jesus, and he's like, hey, you had a good run. Well, why didn't you tap into the things I provided for you? I didn't know about those things. He's like, no, well, you know, it's in the word. It was in that Bible I gave you. Like, just tap into it. And that's why we always say, it's one thing you'll hear repeated from this pulpit, whether it's me or anybody else that fills in for me, whose heart is connected here with Calvary Galveston, go nuts for Jesus. Just go for it. What do you have to lose? You don't have anything to lose. Will your heart get crushed? Completely. Will it hurt? Totally. Will there be tremendous victories? Yes. But is it all worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's got you covered. Our Boaz, he's got us. Verse 11, here's the response from the leaders and all the people standing around. They say, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is now coming into your home like Rachel and Leah. I mean, this is from, you know, we got, out of the 12, we got eight 
of the, you know, the tribes of Israel from these two ladies, their sisters, and that whole story is a, a little bit of a train wreck in and of itself, Rachel and Leah, but from them, some of these pillars, you know, some of the tribe leaders came from these two ladies, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you be great in uh, Epirath and Bethlehem. However you say that first one, uh, I'm not exactly sure, but there you go. May you be famous in Bethlehem. Little did they know that Boaz was, was going to be famous. I mean, he's, his name's written in the book, and we're talking about this guy, you know, thousands of years later. But it's, it's not really anything that he did. He was just faithful to God, and he was just obedient. That's, that's it. God is looking for people who are just going to be faithful to him and just be obedient. That's all. May she be like Rachel and Leah, and may the Lord give your descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. And you're like, hold on. I know that story. Because again, we went through Genesis. The story of Tamar and Judah, <laughs> that's pretty messed up. Okay? So Tamar is married to one of Judah's sons. That dude dies. Judah's like, look, okay, next up, you need to marry her. So your brother's name doesn't just waste away and die. And they're like, no. That dude dies. Next guy up? No, that guy dies. And then finally, like, Judah gives up because he's got one last son. He's like, I can't lose all my sons. So I'm just going to pretend this thing didn't really ever happen. Tamar dresses up like a prostitute, disguises herself as a prostitute, positions herself where she knows Judah will be going by. He takes the bait. She gets pregnant. She takes some of his stuff, signet ring and a staff and all that. And he finds out Tamar's pregnant. I can't believe she would do that. How dare she dishonor my family? Wait, you're the one who won't give her your youngest son. You're the one being disobedient to God. The nerve of that woman, right? He's like, who did this? And she's like, "Uh, whoever owns this ring and this staff. And he's like, oh, busted, right? Maury Povich is there. He's like, Judah, you're the father, right? He's like, oh, no. But he tells her, he's like, listen, you're the real hero of the story. You're the hero of the story. He knew. He, he didn't follow through with what he was supposed to have done. But through that weird story, you have Perez. And from Perez, you get Boaz. So this old little town of Bethlehem, right? They're all like, this is the coolest thing ever. Look at what God is doing to, our, to the house of bread. Look at what he's doing within our, our beautiful little town. Verse 13 says, so Boaz married Ruth and took her home to live with him. Uh, when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. That's fascinating. She was married before. She didn't have no kids. Why? How long were they married? Well, probably long enough to have some kids. But she couldn't. She never did. She gets married to Boaz. Her womb is open. And she has a kid. She has a son. That's amazing. Like, we'll read past that. We'll, we'll totally read past that and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, birds and bees, we all get it, right? And they're like, no, no, hold on. She was married beforehand. She didn't have any kids. Could she not have had kids? Did the Lord keep her from being able to have kids? Because he knew the story was going to play out? I don't know. It's very interesting, though, right? It's got you thinking. You're like, wait a minute. The Lord, he, he just knows how to... Within our lives, man, he, he, he knows how to maneuver and position and do all this stuff. And lo and behold, here she is. She gets married. She becomes pregnant. It says she gave birth to a boy. Verse 14, and the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has given you 
a family redeemer. That's all we have time for today at Bread for the Broken, but we're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James continues through the book of Ruth. Ruth and Naomi were both struggling with the loss of people they loved. It's hard to imagine how they got enough strength to make the journey where they'd meet Boaz, but they put their faith in the Lord and found the strength that they needed. If you've ever been in a place like Ruth and Naomi, you know it's easy to lose hope, but be encouraged. God is already making a way for you. Remember to trust Him always and do what He asks, even if you can't see how the story will work out. Are you wrestling with believing this truth today? We'd love to connect with you. So visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the contact tab. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, you can find them when you visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. You'll also be able to learn more about Calvary Galveston at our website, as well as finding our location. Calvary Galveston is a church of ordinary people seeking to live as Jesus did. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. So if you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to meet you. Our atmosphere is relaxed, so come as you are. You can find out more and get directions on our website. Thanks for listening to Pastor James's teaching today. Know that we're praying for you, and we hope that you'll join us to continue digging into the book of Ruth next time on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of the